You're listening to the Accordion to Me podcast with Veronique Medrano. I'm Veronique, and on this week's episode, we get to chat with Fish Fiorucci, the non-binary supermodel and fashion reporter who has been featured on Vogue magazine, Paper magazine, and has worked with some of the biggest names in the fashion industry. Fashion, fashion. Hello and welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm already dying of laughter over here, everybody. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I can't even gather myself right now. <laughs> now, I, we've been planning on having you come on here for a very long time, but yes. you have been all over the world, <laughs> uh, fashion. I've been a busy bee. You've been a busy fish. <laughs> yes, I've been a busy fish. I don't Swimming. think I could have had to have it any other way. Swimming. <laughs> around the world with your glamour glamour yes. glamour glamour well we try to be glamorous but it's a, it's a hot mess <laughs> a glamorous hot mess i yes. think that's the vibe for 2023 absolutely as some of you know early in 2020 i was in an accident the consequences that you have to live with after can be a lot you can lose your car you can lose work and therefore money And you can, of course, be super injured and have huge hospital bills to pay. No bueno. So if, like me, you've been the victim of an accident, you need a professional to help you get the care you need. In case of an accident, you need a lawyer to protect your rights and your wallet. And you don't have to look any further than that simple phrase by going to the URL incaseofanaccident.com for a free consultation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if the person that suffered the accident wasn't you, but maybe it was your tia or your abuelita or something, don't worry. Everyone at In Case of an Accident speaks Spanish. They can even take messages through WhatsApp at 888 9900911 So if you or a loved one have suffered through a horrible car accident like me, visit the team at incaseofanaccident.com for more help. Just don't forget to tell them that Veronique Medrano from Accordion to Me sent you. So you come from South Texas and the type of fashion you do, I've seen lots of videos and photos of some of just the great great makeup, great just editorial work that you've put up online. And I'm really curious as to how it went from here to the world. <laughs> how did that start? Um, well, I guess my initial thought in endeavoring into fashion back when I was 14 years old, 14, 15 years old, um, I kind of had to test the boundaries of like what it was like to um, get people's attention here in the valley and i realized over time it's pretty simple if you if you just try um, hard enough to kind of throw together a look or kind of put together a piece um or really just try to do anything to get to get people's attention down here you'll get their attention um and it's really easy to stand out as well too so i was just about to say everything's pretty much like every trope that could be a trope of like south texas mexicans is is alive and well in the valley yeah i mean it's a shame that i've seen so many friends and family members fall into like this mindset of what it's like to grow up here in the valley and they have they have to stick with it for the rest of their lives now because that's the only thing they know but i've had you know the opportunity to kind of push myself to 
be something different and and just kind of um, portray the things that I've seen on the internet and kind of bring it to the valley to see what the reaction would be like. So, of course, dressing up weird, um, doing weird makeup, or just standing out in in front of a crowd um, or standing out in a crowd is is really easy for me. Um, It didn't take a lot of work, but what it did take was consistency and uh, and something for people not to just see me once and forget about me but to see me once and be in awe that they saw me that one time and wish to see me again (laughs) so you talk about consistency and in what way did that help you reach that next level so you're saying 14 but when was the big moment (laughs) well the big moment definitely hit me later at 17 18 years old in high school but um i mean from the age of 14 all the way up until that big moment, um, I had to push that consistency of, of portraying this look over and over and over again to kind of um, make that mark in people's mind that I'm serious about what I'm doing and I'm, I'm not going to change who I am as a person. So starting out fashion at a very young age was really hard for me to kind of, um, I guess, touch that side of uh, non-binaryism and androgyny and, and just kind of everything that I do with my fashion work. But I did have the opportunity the opportunity to um, teach people how to walk in heels and how to coach pageant girls. And I was always in, in, you know, behind the scenes with the makeup artists and the hairstylists and designers and stylists and stuff like that growing up. So I definitely had that side to be able to hide behind the scenes, but still be able to live that fantasy of wanting to be in that limelight. So I guess 17 was when it really hit me that I was like, wow, I'm ready. I'm going to put myself in that limelight. I'm going to put myself in that spotlight. And um, it, I mean, it really took over from that age on. So it's crazy that you mentioned pageants because yeah. they are they're part of this like subculture that is so fiercely competitive, but probably some of the most staple aspects of fashion in (laughs) any town like any town and every town has or is aware of pageants and and you see some of the craziest you know avant-garde fashion to some of the very classic um classic fashion looks yeah and so um what were colors that you were drawn to um, I feel like a lot of the colors that I was drawn to growing up in in the pageant world, um, definitely not not pink. Like I was just about to say, pink. if you tell me pink, yeah. I'm gonna fall <laughs> over in this chair. No, I, I was definitely the kind of gal that would either want to be seen in a beautiful red red ruby red gown mm. or an army. I mean, not an army, a navy blue um, or royal blue. Gown. It's okay. They can't. They, they can fight amongst themselves as to where they stand with you. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think people just expect like pageant girls to be very um, ditzy and not so. I don't know. I guess um, that they have the ability to pick more than one color other than pink. But <laughs> I think I think it's also that you just always see very classic looks. Like yeah. they're either a line or something mermaid. Like absolutely. I like, mean, that's if, where I, you if I had like the confidence to pull off like a completely like nude, um, nude sheer kind of pantyhose looking dress that was oh just like God. fit to the body. Very Rihanna where it's only like you can see her nipples. <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't allow that in pageants, obviously. But I would probably, if I could be that person, I would be. Would you ever like host a pageant? Would you ever like try to put no, one together? I don't think so. I mean, 
there's so many pageants that happen here in the valley and some of them are definitely um low scale and some of them are definitely well involved with you know bigger pageants like texas usa universe and stuff like that um because i know you were doing like uh, you were doing and, and technically are still doing uh, model searches yeah so i'm surprised that you haven't tried maybe something from that space where it's like, oh, like semi pageant, semi semi RuPaul's Drag Race, where you're just like you're pitting everyone against each other. I mean, I've seen people try to do that here in the valley where they have like um, modeling. Um, I don't know what to call it, but it's just modeling competitions where they try to see who can be the top model at the end of all of it. Mm-hmm. But. My, and I've seen you talk about that online. Oh, you, yeah, no. you do not, you do not <laughs> find them to be uh, valid. No, they're not valid at all. Well, I feel like pageants and and fashion. I mean, yes, there is fashion in pageants, but once you're a pageant girl, you it's so hard to go. I'm not going to say you can't go into modeling, but it's so hard to get out of that pageant mindset that people will only look at you as that for the rest of your career versus anything else that's fashion related i've always seen people who are pageant models i mean pageants i can't even talk right now who people who are in pageants pageant queens um having a hard time going into modeling after they you know give out their title and stuff like that what's so. the biggest difference between pageant because i'm i'm not in that scene so yeah. i'm really curious you being technically part of both worlds what is the biggest thing that if they really were wanting to get into modeling that they just need to get rid of well, I think pageant people really push for this commercial look. Mm. And there is nothing wrong with being a commercial model. But when people think about modeling, they think about runway shows. They think about um, editorial looks. They think about doing all these fashion, um, crazy outfits that you could only dream about wearing. But when it comes to pageants, it's like gowns only. You look very presentable. You can't be this kind of hoish looking person. You can't be too, too crazy looking. You can't be pulling off these... Um, bleached eyebrows, no eyebrow looks. You know, you. you oh have my to god! Be very I wish that be would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy cool, like an alternative pageant, something like that, where that's what they're looking for. Because I, I always wondered who they were trying to prepare these people to. to I work think they're in. they're preparing them to be more of like, um, I guess, somebody for people to look public up speakers. To. I mean, yes, public speaking is definitely one skill you have to have as a pageant queen. And it's something that I've trained people in multiple times. But I feel like you could definitely win a pageant without being the best public speaker. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you can fake it, like I think that's as much as you need to win any pageant. <laughs> nice. So moving from the pageant scene and to the birth of fish, <laughs> the birth of fish. So... Um, what was the first major work that you did? Um, I was in high school and it's kind of like a crazy story of how all of this happened. I had my brother working for Tom Ford in the in the business side of it. So he managed um, a bunch of the numbers. He, you know, he crunched all the numbers for Tom Ford and stuff like that. Okay. Um, that is it's already starting off wild so continue (laughs) but he lived in austin at the time and he was being flown to new york well new jersey um from monday through thursday and fly back to austin on friday and stay there for the weekend and then his week starts up again on monday and he was living like this for about two years jesus yeah so he was going through this own lifestyle and he had the ability to bring a plus one every time on the plane he didn't tell anybody about this until i asked him like yo what's going on here so i mean if, if 
if the rest of my family members knew that this was happening, he obviously would not be traveling alone. He'd be traveling with a bunch more family members. But he only told me about this. Of course. So <laughs> he brought me to New York okay. um, on a free trip. I stayed with him in his hotel room and stuff like this. And I'm in high school when all of this is happening. I I took the time to go during spring break. I, I knew that the theater class that I was in was going on a spring break trip over there. Okay. But they were asking for like $3,000 to go for like three days, three, four days over there in New York. And I'm thinking to myself, like, my parents are not going to give me $3,000 to go to New York. Like, there is no way in hell they'd give me that money to, like, go do what I want to go do over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so while all the theater kids are going to their Broadway shows, going all their sightseeing places, you know, the 9-11 Memorial, the Statue of Liberty, all that other stuff. I'm getting to work. I'm doing photo shoots already. I am visiting Parsons. I'm meeting with students who are student photographers there. I'm meeting wow. with with agents. I'm meeting with, you know, scouts and people who I've just kind of been following them online for quite a while on Instagram or mm-hmm. even previous to Instagram on stuff like um I forgot the this name of this website, but um it's like a modeling website where okay. you go um and enter your information, location, stuff like that. Um but I made it a point to meet up with the people that I had been following online for a while to see what I could possibly do with them. So I did a few test shoots. Um, some of them were with extremely notable photographers, fashion photographers. Um, and some of them were students who were just getting into the fashion scene and who have blossomed so much into something more than what they are than what they were back then. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy to see like how shooting with this person, these people have really jump started my career to where I'm at now because mm-hmm. I still talk to these people. I still see them. I still text them. I still, you know, message them and they're yeah. still working in the industry. So the industry is really small. Yeah, for sure. Again, I, I don't know how many times I've said this on the on the podcast. No, the industries the are so much smaller <laughs> than you think. These people talk to each other yeah. like we all know the cheese man. Sure. We all know the cheese man I as mean, soon as it happens. I think, I mean, I have, right now I have FK Twigs following me on Instagram. Okay, and I thought sorry. to myself, like, how, yeah, I'm like, how the, hell, how the hell does she find me, one? And two, Okay, like, I can tell you. <laughs> Bella. Amazing. Okay, but you know, there's a lot of other celebrities that I've worked with, but. Okay, yeah, true. Specifically, the person that I, sh- the very first photographer that I ever shot with at 17 mm-hmm. is the person that shoots all her campaigns now. Like Ooh. all her music video behind the scenes, all her oh, nice. all her cover albums and stuff like that. He's a photographer for her. So I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, it's crazy to think that somebody that I met when I was 17 years old mm-hmm. might have played a role into what into the reason as to why FK follows me on Instagram. So. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I will say your your star continues to rise. <laughs> well, like I am like, like I'm waiting for the next <laughs> big, big moment because I, it just seems to keep going. I know. I know I have. I know I have the opportunity like right in front of me. Like I see it. I see. And you taste it. I taste it. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I'm hanging out with celebrities at every single damn event that I'm doing now, at every single photo shoot that I'm getting booked, at every single runway show that I'm walking in. It's celebrity after celebrity after celebrity. Like I haven't had to go to a single damn concert for like the last (laughs) 10 years of my life because I get to see these people like, you know, I'm working with them. You know, what kills me about that is, um, there was a there was a group of publicists. We were there at the Latin Grammys. I got on the red carpet, and mind you, I remember clear as day. Um, 
that Mana was going to be performing, uh-huh. like Mana and Juanes and these people that every time I tried to buy a ticket, could never get a ticket, <laughs> could never get a ticket. Yeah, the I mean, one time, too. Like, I can't even afford them. Oh, my God. So, like, Mana, Mana had, uh, Mana was performing that night. And I knew that. And mind you, um, all these publicists know each other. I walk the red carpet, break break both my heels because I never walked a red carpet before, <laughs> which for anyone who does not know, that's it's almost like a football field's worth <laughs> of walking in heels. Yeah. It's insane. I cannot, I've been to the Met now, finally. I finally went to the Met this year for a different event that I went to. <laughs> I don't understand how anybody walks up those flipping stairs it yes. makes no sense that's so much i've just walked them just regular in tennis shoes and i know these people have to wear high heels <laughs> going holy shit this is insane and they're also wearing like 60 pound dresses oh <laughs> like i mean i fake it to you make it i guess i guess that's why there's so much booze and food when you get into the building and you're and you're chilling because yeah. there's no way there's, there's no, no way, way. <laughs> and so what was really funny to me is i i have that same experience i have watched performers that like now that I look up to that I saw in movies I get to work with some of them like all of that shit is tripping me out now at this point in my career so I can only imagine for you like knowing these people who like some of these celebrities are huge in fashion huge in fashion and to be able to work with them um, you know, some of them is probably like, holy shit, like, yeah. I don't have to do sh- I've already done, I've all, every bucket list person I've wanted to see, I'm sure, has been bucket list checked off. Oh, yeah. And beyond bucket list checked off, like, to the point where it's like, wow, I, I, I've got to hug these people, like, not oh. necessarily because we're doing meet and greets, but only because I'm shooting next to them and I have to lean my boob on next to Madonna or something like that, you know? <laughs> I know, I mean, I have right? to lean my head next to her boob, you know? <laughs> um, but it's just kind of crazy stuff like that. Like, it goes beyond just um, being a fan. Like, I'm actually getting to... I don't know. I I know their scents now. Like I know what Lady Gaga smells like. I know what Madonna smells like. I I know what Dua Lipa smells like. I, I okay, like, we need we need scent profiles. No, <laughs> I, I like I can I can Sense, see not scent. what perfumes they're using. <laughs> oh, nice. I can I just see like the atmosphere that they're living in, mm-hmm. how much luxury that they have. So I'm like, I gotta start acting like a celebrity. Uh, <laughs> I we, mean, we had to make sure to bring him <laughs> not. Um, Agua de Mangera. Or for those who, who actually know what that means, Agua de Manguera. So anyway, we did not bring him <laughs> faucet water. <laughs> but um, so all of this stuff is happening. You end up, you know, doing these photo shoots. And yeah. then what happens? So you come back from a whole different, yeah. like, mind-altering Well, keep trip. in mind, like, I'm, I'm shooting really crazy editorials when I'm 17 years old. I mean, I was shooting, I mean, with parental, um, you know, acceptance or whatever um i shot nude at 17 going on 18 in new york and i came back with all these crazy ass photos with me modeling with a bunch of fashion bags and i'm naked underneath and i mean obviously these weren't nudes that were being put out they were you know done in a fashion taste and it was really kind of shocking at that age to kind of really put that out Mm -hmm. it was giving very miley cyrus when she shot for i think it was like v magazine and Mm. she was like you know practically naked Mm -hmm. But same thing, same kind of basis, same storyline. Um, and it, it's just like photos that I've always kept dear to myself. And it was kind of cool to kind of come back to school knowing that, I don't know, I'm getting called into the office. Like, why am I, why am I, you know, posting all these fashion photos? Like, why am I half naked in them? 
and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, everything was done in good taste. Everything looks phenomenal. These are photographers that I've been dying to work with and who just kind of dabble in this own fashion photography that nobody else in the valley knows about. So it was definitely something new for people to, to kind of view when I returned back to the valley. Mm. But I mean, I look back at these photos and I was definitely very daring back then. I haven't, <laughs> I have not shot nude in a very long time. I, I, there's only like actually one photographer that I let shoot me nude okay. um, recently. But wow, I mean, back then I, I was so I was so much skinnier. I definitely felt a little bit more confident in my body back then. But now it's like I'm going through this personal change where I'm kind of figuring out what I want my body to look like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can I can definitely relate. Um, getting close to 30, I had, you know, gone through some medical stuff and it's still ongoing. And that's kind of what's difficult in my mind is that like my body is changing, but I don't know if I like how it changed. I look at photos from when I was younger and I was so mean to myself. And it's just it's ridiculous. Like you think like I was probably the skinniest I'd ever been <laughs> and or almost as skinny as I was when I graduated high school. So this is like probably 10 years later and I was not happy yet. I was like. I don't know, easy breezy and, and out of control. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I have all this like pressure on me from the industry. That's like, I got to be skinny if I want to be in the women's and, you know, part of the fashion world, mm -hmm. women's wear, um, um, just anything related to, I guess, anything that's not men's wear in the fashion industry. But you're you so to, slim. I mean, I'm slim. Yes, but I'm I'm very fit for men's wear. Okay. But when it comes to women's wear, they want you to be extremely tiny. So I'm kind of like in this mind battle where I have to be extremely skinny if the, if I'm going to be want to be if I'm going to be want to throw. It, I can't even say the sentence. If, <laughs> if they're going to want to throw me in heels and fashion, mm -hmm. I have to be skinny. That's what it skinnier. Like. Skinnier. That if I'm going to be want to, if they're going to want to throw me in a dress, I'm going to have to be a little bit more skinny. I mean, yes, I have worn dresses in the past in Fashion Week and stuff like that. I mean, I've watched. I've literally watched, seen every single bit yeah. and i just the androgyny is is very much there yeah. so that to me is is surprising i but mean not the the reality is like i've seen female models backstage at shows like balenciaga who get cut right before um the show is about to happen a week before in paris because they um didn't tell the honest truth about their size or they lied about their height and I mean, it, there's just a lot of like, I guess the reality behind it all is that female models are expected to look a lot more skinnier and have a lot less of a of a standard of health um, in the industry than male models would or even people who are androgynous. I feel like androgynous people tend to get put on the male modeling side a lot more than they do on the female side because mm. they don't necessarily have that um, ability to just be like a stick figure. I guess in terms of um I, I don't know what what would it be called um i guess like males are just built different right and females are, yeah. are a lot more curvier and mm -hmm. so i've never been the kind of person that has a female looking body I've, i mean i've always had a more square looking body very mm -hmm. bone like you know shoulders are very broad and my my chest is very broad my everything about me is very square so mm -hmm. i don't have like that female curve that they're looking for all the time 
<laughs> but where's the curve when it's so skinny? I don't, I don't like, I mean, do not get me wrong. I've seen some of like the most beautiful models, but like there's the curve is so finite mm-hmm. that I'm not saying they don't look like women, but it's just, it's, it's like you give them a bit more food. You let them kind of like just yeah. fill out a little bit. You're going to get the curves that you're asking for, but it's almost like an impossibility that they're asking for. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I've definitely been going through this like body dysmorphic mm. um, part of my life where I want to eat and I want to enjoy eating. <laughs> but I've, I've seen enough <laughs> of your Instagram stories in Paris to know you enjoy. Oh, my gosh. I'm Uber eating every time I'm in Paris. Oh, my God. You're Uber everything. And literally, everything that you need, you Uber. But I've it's watched. So, it's so bad because I know it. like people actually pay attention to that in the industry and like that seems a little bit too much like yeah. like my personal life is my personal life if i'm eating a fucking burger leave me the fuck alone yeah like what you want me to fucking starve you want me to be bulimic well i mean the answer is yes they do yes, but they don't they, they do yes they do but like in in reality it's like no you guys shouldn't like you guys should only be looking at my social media one if i'm talking shit about you yeah. or two if i'm like i don't know if if i'm pulling something super crazy out of my ass yeah I mean, I there's nothing wrong with eating healthy. I know when I go into like Paris all the time, it's hard for me to find anything that's not unhealthy. Um, I mean, obviously there's fast food stuff like all the time in every corner, but when I go into these jobs, there's nothing that's unhealthy. It's always like oats, fruits, vegetables, vegan stuff, no cheese, no dairy, no meat. So it's just kind of like we're eating like um, birds all the time backstage. <laughs> but you do not like to eat like a bird. I don't like to eat like a bird. But you so know what, what is European your favorite? Do. European, <laughs> yes, European people do. But you know what? There's a lot of things that could be said that Europeans <laughs> don't do that maybe they should. So outside of that, what is some of your favorite, favorite meals to have when you come back from overseas? Um, definitely quesadillas, um, birria tacos. Um, Definitely some conchas or anything candy related or anything. Just, that's just like mazapans, mazapan oh, so ice cream, mazapan conchas. That's Sometimes I like Mexico to go to Sweetcraft Vegan in Brownsville and they have some of the best cinnamon rolls. And I just, I know it's vegan, but I still indulge in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you do know that like quesadillas in Mexico don't have cheese, right? They don't? What do they use then? <laughs> What do they use? Just chorizo or something? <laughs> what? What do they use? Just, fillings. just a filling. Just a filling? It's just a filling. It's just two two pieces of tortilla and filling. What's the filling? Just like a... Just meat. Just meat? whatever. Just whatever meat. But those are considered quesadillas. Well, like I'll take it. <laughs> it's like a taco, but flat. Well, I mean, quesadillas in New York are actually um, burritos. Or what is it? No, tacos in... in sorry. Tacos in Paris are burritos what yeah those don't make no sense they don't make any they sense. also see look at look at these countries making no sense <laughs> not a bit of sense <laughs> i you know it's funny um prior to you know you know going on fashion week because i'm assuming fashion week and all these you know walking the catwalks happened a little bit later yeah um what was the big moment what was the big big moment 
Um, <clears throat> so after I shot with those photographers, mm-hmm. and in your New York, school got upset. Yeah, my school got upset. Everybody got upset. I'm like, baby, I'm already hitting 18. Like I'm about to turn 18. Like the same same month that I went to New York um, and came back and everything like that. I was already going to turn 18. So. After I graduated high school, stay out of my body parts, yeah, damn it! <laughs> like I'm literally, it, I look so good in these photos. I don't know what anybody's talking about, right? <laughs> Graduate high school, uh-huh. moved to Austin for my first semester of college. Okay. And during that first semester of college, I had been applying to a bunch of agencies to kind of intern for them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be like um, an intern to agents and scouts and just kind of get behind the scenes on how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So I applied to a bunch of different agencies, got a lot of people to get back to me, um, give me a meeting, you know, get to meet with me and stuff like that. And during one of these agency meetings, um, they offered me a modeling contract. Oh, scandal. <sighs> scandal. And they flew me out to New York the week okay after. that feels like absolutely the opposite <laughs> of what you were like you're like i was just trying to work behind the scenes and they said no front well, front of scenes new york so believe it or not when i went to this meeting i had already scouted three different dudes and one of them was from brownsville one of them was from san antonio mm-hmm. and the other one was also from san antonio okay so i came up to this meeting with pictures of not just me it was pictures of three other boys that I had been working with um, who I wanted to bring along with me on this journey. And I just knew that they had something to them that they had to kind of be put in this position um, where I met them. And it was just like, you know, I can tell this story was going to be one that was going to be one I was going to tell later in life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I brought these people along with me in photos and photo form. And I just pushed them to the girl and I was like, look at these people. Let me know what you think. I'm here to help. I'm here to be an intern for you if you, you know, want me to if you want me to. I'm already doing stuff like this. I'm already scouting faces. And she didn't offer just me a contract, but she offered all these other boys a contract. Too. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and so I had like this kind of um moment in my in my career where That's really early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm doing things that I uh, that I want to do, which is scouting and developing faces. But also at the same time, I'm getting to model with these people that I'm bringing along with me. So we do Fashion Week together for our first time. It's four of us shoved into one bedroom that my friend um, who was living in New York at the time, she had an extra um, room in her apartment. It was super tiny. And she just like let us all rent it for the month, um, four of us in the room. And... I don't know. We all did Fashion Week together, and I'm thinking this like, is New York Fashion. Yeah, this is New York Fashion. Oh week. shit! So like, who are you guys walking for? Well, <clears throat> we're we're all like trying to. I don't know. Well, none of us really know if we're if we're getting into the actual industry, right? Like, none mm-hmm. of us know. We're like, we've never done Fashion Week before. We don't know if we're doing the real deal. How does that How does that work? That just feels like <laughs> so out of nowhere. Like they give you a contract to say, okay, New York Fashion Week, and so you guys are all in this little room yeah. and. I guess is fashion week pretty much like the way we see it on let's just say America's Next Top Model where you're going to all these different like people yeah. like all these different fashion houses walking yeah. doing your doing your shit showing them your photo and then leaving to the next appointment yeah so and okay. I guess I guess in um, America's Next Top Model they call it a go see mm-hmm. but in the real world it's just called a casting casting call okay um, but also like in casting calls you don't necessarily bring your portfolio to show them you just kind of have to impress them when you walk in that door and hopefully if they ask to see your walk, I mean, that's the only time you can. Okay. Um, usually portfolios are shown like when you go to an agency meeting. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, so this is really different. Yeah, okay. So we already have the agency part out of the way. Like our agency, mm-hmm. you know, was in Austin at the time, but they were sending us to New York to go do Fashion Week. So we arrived to, to New York one month before Fashion Week mm-hmm. to kind of get our foot in the door, to kind of get to know the scene, um, chat, chat with the locals, and just kind of hopefully meet the right people at the right time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it felt like, essentially. I mean, there were so many things that were happening at that time that I just thought, like, wow, like, this couldn't be any more perfect timing. Mm-hmm. But I think we realized that this became serious when the first, the first people out of all the boys that we were with um, who got a casting was for um, Raph Simmons, which is a huge designer. Mm-hmm. And we had to Google, like, the designer and everything like that. But when we realized, like, the like how large this designer was and so who has he designed for just just for people who don't know who this person is um well raf simmons was their own brand for quite a while quite a while but raf simmons has designed for people like calvin klein um but mostly for their own brand okay um, raf yeah okay but um i mean that that itself was like a huge thing for for it being the first casting that one of us received out of out of the whole group um, and from there on, like we just started receiving a lot more casting calls that were for um, brands that we realized were on a on a list on a calendar of Fashion Week events that were the official Fashion Week events. So at this point, we knew we were in the door, like our foot was in the door. We had no problem getting around New York. Um, it was just kind of like a game of like waiting around to see if they were going to book us for these jobs. We mm. were going to these castings and there was like 300, 400 different boys all around. Yeah. It's 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 like, it's yeah. a free for all. I can only imagine. And these, all these boys are signed in New York and they're all, you know, professionally trained. Like they didn't just go into this with no help or they're not, you know, they're, they're not struggling because they're from the area and stuff like that. So in my head, I'm thinking like, wow, this is such a privilege to bring somebody from the Valley with me and to have two people from San Antonio come with me as well to represent Texas in this sense. But we all ended up booking a bunch of shows. Um, I think I was like the second person to book the most shows. But regardless, like the shows that we booked were ones that, you know, jumpstarted our career even more. Like I got mm-hmm. to walk for Palomo Spain, which is a Spain designer um, who I've walked for not just once, but a couple more times. Um, I, I did um, Ovidian Sons, which is a brand that I've been finding a lot on the real real recently, and it makes me want to buy a bunch of it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, just like a bunch of other like uh, brands that were smaller at the time, um, like Bodhi. I, I'm not too sure if you're familiar with Bodhi, but that brand itself is, has gone on to want um, the CFDA Fashion Award and stuff like that. So I guess just people who are actually working in the industry, we got to go into it right away. And I felt so lucky to have that moment. But I also knew that I put myself in in that situation where I knew that that was going to happen. I met the right people. I knew I was meeting the right people. I knew I was dealing my cards and putting it, putting in my money, putting it on my eggs and into the right baskets. The right baskets. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the hardest things to do is is to suss out when you're doing the right thing yeah. and when it is happening at the right moment. Well, sadly, the valley made me realize. I was putting in all my eggs in all the wrong baskets. It made me realize that there was so much phony work happening here in the Valley that I thought to myself, like, where is the real fashion happening at? Oh, my God. (laughs) I could could tell you, man, I I really wanted to act, really, really wanted to act. And I was constantly being put as like a side character at, you know, the community playhouse at like in high school 
like it just kept happening and so eventually at some point i went to like one of these like random things that eventually my mom was like this feels like a scam but we went anyway because it was like okay you know this is my first time like doing an audition in front of you know a casting director these are like the first times that you do these things and so the processes were correct like the way you do them because i eventually did get an actual like casting gig but later on in life neither here nor there but when you go into these things like you really think that they are what they say they are but it's like how much money do you have to pay yeah like that's when it starts being like okay something's up like Sure. You shouldn't have to be paying, you know, a thousand dollars to get an agent. Yeah. Like it's a little bit different out in the world. And so that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I wasn't sure if I just got duped. And that was a really hard thing to kind of swallow. Did I get duped and I'm not very talented or am I very talented and just picked the wrong place to put my, my eggs in the basket? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, sucks for the Valley that we have all these people that come over here and do stuff like that. But also, like, it's so weird to think that they'd put, like, the face of, like, oh, Zendaya Coleman coming down to the valley, you know, meet these stars from Disney and stuff like that. I understand that they could potentially get you to that level, but they do want a lot of money up front for that. That's It feels like, it, it almost feels like pay to play. Yeah. Like, where, yeah, you could see this person, but, like, this person put up how much money to really like line their own pocket. It's a very weird system. Yeah. The I entertainment mean, there industry. are so many celebrities, so many childhood stars that we grew up with who I know for a fact had the money to invest mm-hmm. or who had parents who had the money to invest in their career at a very young age to, you know, push them to get an agent mm-hmm. and push them to go to castings at a very young age to get, you know, they got, they got them to where they are now. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, it's very exploitive. Um, it, it sucks that, you know, children can't make their own decision whether they want to do this or not. But also at the same time, like I've met people like, you know, Rainy Rodriguez. I've met her her, fa- her whole family before. I've met her dad before and asked him like how we got into all of this. And it really is just a money game. Like if you have the money, you can definitely well invest in your child to get them famous. But you really just have to have the money consistently to make it happen. I just feel like half of it's like loans yeah. at this point. And you <laughs> like, know what? Like I, 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 people don't also realize that like record labels will give you a loan. If they like you, they'll give you a loan. To that's fund. all they're doing. They're just giving yeah. you a loan. Yeah. It, they don't call it a loan, but they'll, they'll tell you. Yeah, they it. call it a deal. Yeah. But really, it's a loan. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where right now it's, it's really hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put in all this money to, to you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to like leave my my chances and my voice to a label. Yeah. It's why I'm still independent. Mm-hmm. It's why, you know, the next record that we're coming out with is, is something that I own because I'm I'm feeling pretty confident about it. Nice. And so when it comes to like it was interesting because I had this conversation with somebody when I was out in L.A. recently and it was like, OK. Is it worth the sacrifice. Yeah. Is it worth sacrificing two, three, four years, however many years it takes to put out a record? Like, let's say you get a record deal. And it's like, but they're putting in all the money. Mm-hmm. So they want to see their money come back. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Let's just say, like, you know what? You don't get to keep the masters. As long as you worked it, you get a lawyer to work it into the deal that you can continue to play those songs, you still win. Like, how much are you willing to risk? Like, okay, you have all these records that you did yourself and then you're about to sign with a label, but they're going to put in all the money and they're going to take you to, you know, this place and this place and this place and this place. They're going to have you appear because they have the leverage. Are you willing to sacrifice for a short amount of time your not dignity, but like just in the sense like 
your ah, I have to own it and it has to be mine yeah. so that they can push you to the next level so that you can get the fuck out yeah. and then you can do your own shit after like there is those things like those things do happen and so I sat with it and I do know where I stand on it I know that if given I mean, it's the- a hard decision it's practically selling your career for someone to take over it for just a little bit of time but also it, it, it shifts the idea of like what exactly you were trying to push for in the beginning well, a lot of people think that some of the biggest stars are independent and they're not. That's what cracks me up. I, I'm like, I know what independent is. Independent is Snow the product. Mm-hmm. Independent is like, is artists like that. Yeah. But like when you look at artists, you know, that say they're independent and then you start looking behind the scenes. Well, no, they're not. They have a distribution deal yeah. with a major label. Yeah. So, yes, like they built an audience. But that label is putting in the extra work because there's a deal there that, you know, people start splitting money. When you want to have big ass tours, the label fronts a lot of money because they're expecting a lot of returns. So you don't get as much money. You know what? That's the same thing with with modeling agencies. Um, If you, you know, get if you get to sign with a really big agency anywhere in the world. They will give you the money up front to house you, to feed you, to to make you travel all around the world, you know, but they expect that money back. And it sucks because they don't tell you that if you, you know, if you can't pay the money back or like if you can do all these castings, but if you don't book a single job, you're not going to make any money. So that you're just going to keep building your debt with this agency. You can leave the agency, but you'll still have this debt to pay off with it. You still have to pay them? Yeah, you still have to pay it. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. See, with like with record labels, though, they're just like, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can mark it as a loss on their taxes. I've, I have never heard of somebody saying, at least not yet, well, like, knows, maybe after this episode, somebody will send me a message, <laughs> but I've never heard of a label like major yeah. that has gotten a loss and been like, oh, you have to pay me all the money that we gave you. We've, we, I, we've, <laughs> I've had agencies in the past that have held me on a contract um, for long after than it should have been um, only because I owed them some money and they wouldn't cut the contract with me. I wasn't booking any work with them. They wouldn't let me do outside work and they wouldn't cut my damn contract. And so I got my face tattoo and walked into the office and they saw it and they cut my contract right after I did that. I started wow. to pay them back. Um, they threatened me with, you know, lawyers and stuff like that. And we'll just file it and one day you'll get a court case and you know, something like that. I don't know. I've had people, you know, try to throw stuff at me with that, but I mean, it's not like I owed a bunch of money. Regardless, it's money that they shouldn't have let me, I shouldn't have said yes to. And it's a mistake that a lot of models do. <laughs> well, I mean, because the idea is that you are going to do it, but it's not, I think that's the issue is that it's never talked about in, in all honesty, how exploitive certain practices in the entertainment industry and the arts are when it comes to bigger companies because yes they have the legal arm to be exploitive that way Mm -hmm. now after doing new york fashion week then what is next for fish um i mean i had done fashion week for like three years in a row season after season after season and that's because i wasn't doing London, New York. I mean, I wasn't doing London, Paris, or Milan mm-hmm. during those years of doing New York Fashion Week. I thought New York Fashion Week was like, oh, I'm making the Valley so proud. I'm doing them, you know, justice. I'm doing what I have to do. And I never thought to myself, wow, I can venture into other fashion weeks and work with mm-hmm. even bigger people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was signed in New York, went through this whole fiasco of being signed to an agency that didn't let me leave them, mm-hmm. got my face tattoo, was dropped from the agency. 
I was picked up like about a few days afterwards <laughs> <laughs> from another agent who but is like, actually t- my agent to this day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, hello, agent to this day. <laughs> um, and I mean, they have pushed me to get signed in, in London. And then from London, I I had my agent over there who helped me do London Fashion Week. And then from London Fashion Week, you know, I traveled to Paris, did my castings over there, didn't book anything for two years in Paris, didn't do Paris anymore, stopped doing London. And then one day I woke up and I'm in Paris again doing Balenciaga. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what was probably the frustrating part of, of not booking? What comes with the frustration of not booking and how did you manage to overcome that? Um... I mean, I, I definitely go into these gigs thinking like, oh, it's okay if I don't book it. I'm not going to go too hard on myself. But- the exact opposite. I'm such a <laughs> shithead. I like, I apply and it's, I don't know if it's just like who I am. I'm just so intense. I'm yeah. like, ah, maybe like the, you know how they say, um, speak it and it will come. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep doing. And it never comes. Yeah. So I'm like, I get mad. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to face myself with the reality that fashion isn't always going to be a yes all the time you know like mm-hmm. no one's not everybody's going to tell you yes to every gig that you go to I mean you would hope that they would but also like you have to remind yourself that you're going up against so many other people but I think what hurts me the most is when I see shows that I didn't get um, you know a callback for seeing that they put models in the show that you know maybe look like me or uh, either have the same kind of idea of androgyny as I do like they either have no eyebrows or they're a non-binary walking in heels stomping on the runway and I'm like wow I went to this casting they didn't book me they booked somebody else who was probably just like me but had something else to offer but mm-hmm. you know it just kind of makes me go into this mind um, spiral of like why didn't I book that job but then I also have to pull myself out of that all the damn time because it's like fashion weeks happen a million times a year. There are so many different shows out there. I was about to say, I didn't realize it till I started following you. How <laughs> many, how many and how close they are to each other. Yeah. Like they're insane. not, they, like they're not that far apart. Like mm-hmm. you pretty much, at least when I saw you doing New York and Paris, yeah. it was what, like maybe a month apart. I don't know. Like I'm not super. In- well, actually I, back then when I was identifying as a man, a male, I did Men's Week, mm-hmm. and Men's Week is the week right before Fashion Week starts, um, and that's anywhere in the world. Um, but I started pushing myself to be more androgynous and going for like the actual Fashion Weeks. Mm-hmm. And Men's Week is just catered to like um, menswear designers and stuff like that. And, okay. and Fashion Week itself is catered to you know genderless or non-binaries and trans people and stuff like that. Like they have inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and menswear is just like strictly men, and I hated it. I hated that I had to go in, into that. Um, fashion week that way um, but <laughs> um, it definitely pushed me to want to be figuring out my identity and how I want to be represented like in the fashion world so women's wear is my goal is my goal now to be in like completely in, in the fashion world and fashion weeks and stuff like that but you have to be so skinny but, yeah I have to be really skinny I have to lose quite a few weight <laughs> you have quite, to stop with the pounds. quesadillas oh you have to go God. with quesadillas with no cheese <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just you have to go Mexican style quesadillas. Yeah, something like that. I have to drop the tortillas. Oh God, the tortillas. But I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't had my my breakthrough moment where I'm I'm on the runway. I mean, yes, I've walked the runway in heels, but I haven't had that breakthrough moment where I, the world is talking. Yeah, the world is talking about that walk. 
you know, I I can understand what you're saying. I think one of the biggest moments for me um, that I, outside of, you know, watching you, because by watching you, I'm a little bit more cognizant of what's happening. And so I started picking up on what Bella Hadid was doing <laughs> this past year. And it was crazy how much she was booking. She works a lot. like, And it, I calculated how much that she's making, and it's insane. Okay, well, we don't need to get into the numbers. Poor Bella. She's going to be like, do not be speaking my name. But, <laughs> like me. Me, not you. you well, know I mean, in comparison to what I'm making, in, in comparison to someone that, yes, I'm working next to, but also at the same time is probably getting paid five times as much as I well, am. Well, I, I think the biggest moment was the dress that they made on on the runway. Oh yeah. That for me has to be like the moment of moments, you know, and it's just, it's a moment. Yeah. I, I can only imagine that like in the eighties and the nineties and when, you know, you see these video recordings, you can always pick a moment and mm -hmm. you can see it happening, but oh. that was happening and it, it was <laughs> online and it was everywhere and it was crazy. I mean, that, she definitely deserves her award for model of the year, which she did get this year. Yes. I was going to say, that would have been stupid if they hadn't. <laughs> I'm not in fashion, but I'm going to tell y'all, y'all would have been stupid if you didn't give her that damn award. Jesus. She is definitely the model, like the top model right now. Like Kendall, Kylie, like they are not no longer in the picture no more. Like, I, you know, that's them. funny because, yeah, Kendall is. I don't think Kylie ever walked. No, Kylie never walked. But, but she, Kendall, did, she did try, you know. She's still trying. Is she? I mean, I feel like that was the whole point of her brand. That yeah, she's still very much trying to <laughs> to make it a thing. She still does editorial, at yeah. least just editorial. Yeah. Um, but Kendall for sure, like she was so into it, and then I don't think she really liked it. Yeah. And I mean, that's just an assumption, but it's just like in comparison to you know. The people that were around her, which were the Hadids, it was like her and the Hadids were like. Well, I feel like she probably together. got a lot of the Hadids. Oh my gosh, I feel like the Hadids have separated themselves so much from the Kardashians that they have a level of respect in the industry. Like every time I see any of the Hadids walking around, it's always the best feeling. Like they have the best energy ever. But when it's the Kardashians that walk around, it's nobody can be next to them security all around them they have their own private rooms like oh i was about to say like how do you know that and then i'm like looking at your glasses <laughs> no shit balenciaga <laughs> so before we get into the 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 celebrity of it all yeah um we are going to take a quick break okay so you got a sussy email. Yes. When have I not gotten one? So, <laughs> so, so uh, what were you doing at the time that made you think, hmm? Well, the email itself kind of asked me if I had a social security to work in the U.S. <laughs> Nothing else. No. No introduction. That is so, okay, it, continue. I'm, I'm so lucky that this email had um, the name in the email attached to it, you know, like where it was coming from. Mm -hmm. So I Googled, I Googled these people and realized that this email was coming out of LA and these people work in, you know, in the fashion industry. I have no connection to them. I don't know how this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. And so I responded with, yes, I do have a social security number to work in the US. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Um, uh, to which they responded that they couldn't tell me what was going on, what job this was for particularly. But they did send me a list of how much I was going to get paid, how many days I was going to be working, and the extent that this you know, job might make my career like go far. 
go for, you know. Okay. So this so very hush hush. So you know this is probably either a hoax and you're about to get your <laughs> kidney taken out or Well I, I first thing real. I do I, first thing I do is I call my age and I'm like, Hey, these people are asking for my social security number. Like, who are they? Like, do you know these people? Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he took a while to respond, but he was like, oh, yeah, I actually do know those people. I submitted you for this gig a few weeks ago, but I didn't think they'd get back to me. I, I actually, you know, thought that they had already picked people for this. So I didn't think that they would respond to any of this like mm-hmm. two weeks after he had already submitted me for this. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, after reading like the, the basis of what this job was going to be, I realized that this job could potentially be with the celebrity. Okay. I knew the name was disclosed for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. I knew that they weren't telling us who the name of the celebrity was because we couldn't leak this information. It was, you know, super confidential. Yeah, and, and she hadn't said anything yeah. yet either. She hadn't she hadn't made any notice. If anybody remembers around this time, she yeah. hadn't said she was doing a makeup brand. Well, she was in a really deep hiatus where her career was just like she wasn't doing anything. No, nothing. <laughs> um so I um Went, went over all the logistics with my agent. They flew me out of San Antonio for that gig. And on the way to San Antonio, they sent the call sheet. But in the call sheet, there was no name for the celebrity that was going to be appearing. Okay. But but you know it's a celebrity. I do point. know it's a celebrity at this point because they listed the makeup artists that were going to be on set. And I went on to the makeup artist Instagram. One of them was the... Um, one of them was um, the lead ambassador for uh, Marc Jacobs. Another one was the makeup artist for Katy Perry, Ariana Grande. Um, another makeup artist was, I think, for um, NARS or something. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a bunch of brands that were pretty out there. So I knew it was a makeup campaign, but I didn't know if it was going to be for Marc Jacobs, Rihanna Fenty, or for I don't know who else the third mm-hmm. person was going to be. Okay, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Pull up on set. And I realized that this was going to be for Lady Gaga after she walked in the room. Well, I, she didn't. She wasn't there when I got there. But okay. I mean, I met the makeup artist, and I realized like this is her like this is her personal makeup artist, you know. And I didn't know I was going to be working with the personal makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And of course, they had pictures of Lady Gaga all over the room in the mood board and stuff like that. So it made sense. <laughs> and it would have been weird if it had been somebody else. Like <laughs> like she was just the mood board, and it was just a completely different celebrity. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> well, they had this whole moment where they she walked into the room, and we were all supposed to act shocked, like, "Oh, this is who we're working for." But I was like, "No, I did my research. I, I you know I put together one and one, and I realized who it was until before she even got there." So. I when she um, walked into the room and they had cameras on us and she handed me flowers and stuff like that. I was just like, like who is she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a big troll. I'm oh such a big my troll. god! No, literally, I, I gave her. I'm not trying to be fake, but I I just love trolling people. So I give her the hug. I do my little fake tears and stuff like that. And as she walks away, I look to the camera and I'm like, who was she? That's all I say to the camera. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so valley. No. That's so RGB. I'm like, what do they expect uh, out of us models? Like, I'm here to do my damn job. Like, y'all don't oh have to. Y'all don't have to do all of this. But well, because they wanted to make it. Honestly, I, I feel like they wanted to make it seem like these were like unknowns. <laughs> like know. that's the only way. That's the only like, thing. Like they that found makes us sense. out of the corner of the alley. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, oh we're yeah, we're gonna do a model. job. Yeah, give us your social security. Yeah. <laughs> well, they definitely made a big scene um, for that moment. Okay. And and from like that that day on, I remember um, House Labs posting a bunch of random shit where 
they would pick models like um, who were fans of the makeup to come be a model for a day. Um, like people who, who ha- weren't actually models but had wanted to become a model for the brand. So, the, you know, they would do the makeup and stuff like that and tag them on Instagram. And they had a whole contest where they brought somebody in and turned them into a model. And stuff but was like this that. during the time you were there? No, this was not the time I was there, but they did the same thing where they had her walk in and, you know, they had the model crying and blah, 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 blah. blah like all So, this like, thing. so pretty much they did this, like, this fake setup thing. Yeah. Probably didn't go the way they wanted. Well. People did not act. <laughs> people did not act as shocked as they probably should have. Yeah. And then they brought in fans to continue that process until yeah. people were, were Yeah, buying. so I, I kept seeing this, like, reoccurring thing happen with House Labs where they wanted it to seem like they were very involved with the community or like that they were being really inclusive to who they were casting and stuff like that but it, it felt very fake okay it's all very planned okay yeah <laughs> i mean i mean you understanding it from the get and yeah. then seeing it continue to be repeated later yeah that makes sense i mean they threw me in size eight and a half heels and i'm a 10 and then they throw lady gaga on my on my waist and i'm supposed to hold her up like like we're in a pool you know like and she's over me and you know we're playing chicken or something like that she 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 I mean, she's tiny and she doesn't weigh that much but when i'm in a size two small heels and they throw lady gaga on top of me like that's that's a lot of work for my, my legs to handle <laughs> i can barely do a push-up oh lord so um so the shoot goes yeah the shoot goes and it's intense four days and it's like 7 a.m you leave by like 8 p.m and they have personal chefs on set they have um, so many assistants to get you whatever you needed. I mean, there was points where I was like super like woozy and dizzy from like not eating. And I'm just like, somebody get me a donut. And, and <laughs> they, somebody gave you a donut. Someone brought me a damn donut. <laughs> there we go. So uh, that experience happened. Did you continue to work with House Slaps after that? Um, You know what? This was previous to COVID happening. Okay. So we had actually planned a u.s tour with house labs okay we were supposed to go to different um pop-ups around the u.s mm-hmm. and do this whole um tour with all the models who were the first you know to work with house labs and it was me and a bunch of other new yorkers who I had actually known for quite a while and a bunch of other notable people who i still work with to this day um but like we were all supposed to go on this little tour and go to all these pop-ups and do all these like signings and you know kind of just be like her little minions kind of like when Gwen Stefani had mm, the Harajuku girls exactly okay. we were the Harajuku girls the fashion but for Gaga um, I mean I attended so many different parties with Gaga's team I mean too many to the point where it just kind of led downhill from there but we had anticipated this moment in our in our career where we were supposed to just travel with her and be next to her for about a year a year's worth of work, mm-hmm. um, and it it what it didn't really happen because you know COVID was coming into play slowly, um, and I mean it kind of just the from the time that we shot to when it launched was about a year, mm-hmm. and then from when it launched to when we were supposed to do all these public you know sightings and stuff like that COVID started picking up. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like a downfall of like the the brand itself going on a hiatus and not really following through what they were supposed to follow through with and mm. then jumping onto a different campaign and forgetting about everybody else. <laughs> well, I mean, so. the, the brand has changed, I, I feel like two or three times mm-hmm. since since that first launch, mm-hmm. like 
it still hasn't necessarily gotten its legs. Yeah. It's still trying to figure out what it's going to be, if For it's sure. even going to stay and be something. Yeah. And so I do recall you getting online and discussing an experience that you had with House Labs and that it was never addressed. Yeah. And would you would you mind chatting with, yeah. with everybody about that? So in, in that year period from when we shot the campaign to going out to all these parties and clubs and launches with the House Labs team. Um, I mean, I, I was groped by, by one of the workers. I was sexually assaulted by one of the workers and I never spoke about it for quite a while because I knew they had like this sense of power to them that they could ruin my career. But when I brought it up with the team a few years later, I was kind of hoping that something would be done about this because I... I feel like they, like what we spoke about earlier, they kind of had this idea going on that they were being inclusive to the community and they were trying to be very supportive of whatever they were trying to push back then when this um, campaign was being shot. And also just like for what the image of what Gaga stands for, what her what her brand is and, and what essentially the makeup campaign was supposed to be about just totally went against all the odds of what this person did to me from the team. And it just made me felt like everything that I was working with them for kind of just... Was, it was soured. Yeah, it was soured. It was tainted. Um, changed my perspective. Yeah, because um, you you spoke with multiple people on the team. So it wasn't yeah. just one person. Yeah, I mean, I spoke with Lady Gaga's assistant, like her personal assistant, like the lady who follows her like day and night and sleeps next to her. <laughs> and it, it just, I mean, it, it escalated to the point where Lady Gaga's lawyers denied all these allegations. But it's kind of led me to a point in my career where I think I want to fight for this kind of, this kind of um, things that are happening happening within the industry. It's a lot. It's a lot to break down. Oh yeah, I can only imagine. I I know I had seen um I had seen photos that you had posted or, or something about the bouquet that you got from that shoot, and yeah. that you know you had kept it for so many years, but it had brought joy and pain yeah to you and you finally let it go well i was holding on to this this joy of that you know i come back to the valley and everybody's like loving me and praising me for working with one of the biggest celebrities in the world right now um to kind of growing to hate it because i was not accepting the reality that something had happened to me and i was just kind of and taken in all this like positivity that 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 you know community was giving me and stuff like that but i couldn't find it in me to come out and confess to them what had actually happened to me because I felt like I would disappoint people. But it's kind of scary because, like, it got to the point where I spoke to Hollywood Reporter. I'm speaking to, I've spoken to reporters um, who are close to TMZ and stuff like this who go out and investigate these stories and reach out to my witnesses, reach out to Lady Gaga, reach out to her lawyers, her managers, and stuff like that. And oh my gosh, I can only imagine the amount of hate that they have towards me now. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, it's one thing to to hate and it's another thing to just not have the wherewithal to believe. And mm -hmm. that that hurts even more. Like, you know, for somebody that says they're just as they're inclusive and yeah. you know they want Well, like Lady Gaga advocates for sexual assault awareness and anti-bully, you know, awareness and stuff like that. So, it's really ironic that she has people I mean, when people always tell me, like, why are you attacking Lady Gaga for this? Why, why are you holding her accountable for this? Because well, well, it's, it's her brand. It's her brand. It's it, people it, she hired. People who work for her brand. Exactly. 
And I, I don't think people understand that, but I mean. No, and, and there was something interesting. So you, so you move from that space, this yeah. very just, like it just doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. And how did you manage to push through that? I, I had kept it going as long as I could. I mean, I, I was doing interviews with America, America's, uh, what is it? Good Morning America. I was doing interviews with NBC. I was doing interviews at CBS, like all, all these different outlets who were giving me the their time of day because I had worked with Lady Gaga um, to kind of just pushing all of that away, saying no to everything that was coming my way from them. And um, trying to find my next big gig. I mean, I was continuously doing Fashion Week after that, obviously. I, I've never stopped doing Fashion Week, but I hadn't booked a major campaign like that ever since that moment. And mm-hmm. it took a while for me to find that moment in my career again where I booked like a major celebrity moment campaign. And what was that? Um, I think it was Madonna. I think it was when I worked with Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was the big difference between, you know, obviously working with with Gaga and then Madonna, what was, what were some of the, like, what was something immediately that you noticed that just how it made you feel? It was consent. I, I, before I even shot with Madonna, I mean, her photographer and her agents and everybody came out and and spoke to all the models. They gathered us all around and said, Hey, this photo shoot, there's going to be kissing. There's going to be hugging. There's going to be touching. And this is going to be a party scene and we want you guys to be comfortable with it. You guys can go to the extent that you want to go to. If there's something that you don't like that's going on, let us know. We'll, we'll take care of it. We'll handle it. And if there's something that, that you don't feel comfortable with doing, with doing, you know, now is the time to speak up about it. So that was at the jump. That, that was, was at the jump that of was, that before you yeah. even shot one photo. Before we even shot one photo. And so with the other one, there was nothing like that discussed. So why were you getting groped? Exactly. Like, why am I getting groped? I, I don't know. I, I, I go up to this person about to go congratulate them on this launch that's about to happen. And next thing I know, he's picking up my skirt and groping me in the balls and trying to flick my tits. Like, it's it threw me off so much. And you know what? That night I was hanging out with a bunch of other models from House Labs. Mm-hmm. And we're, we were all in a group chat back then. Mm-hmm. And I did not tell him anything. Well, I mean, I think that would just, especially with you saying, you know, you're 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 working in such extreme conditions for yeah. this for the shoot. I I can't imagine that you're like, did that happen? Yeah. Is it in my head? What just happened? Yeah. Like everything in your brain trying to process like just this boundary that was crossed. And then you go from that, you go from this completely like boundary crossed to this moment where they're setting, they're telling you already, yeah. we will respect your boundaries. You just need to tell us this is what this is. This is what's going on. Yeah. Let's move in this direction. If you don't want to, let's. Because it just sounds like they wanted a party scene, but that if somebody just wasn't comfortable, they would figure out something else for them to do. They wouldn't just kick them off the shoot. Yeah, yeah, they definitely wouldn't just kick them off of the shoot. I mean, there was there would be a time where the photographer would go all around to, you know, to the models and be like, "You come over here and you come over here and make out in front of Madonna." And you know, if you if you weren't comfortable with it, you they wouldn't set you off to the side. You'd still be in the shoot. You'd still be in the back. You'd, you'd just be, be you'd just be yeah, somewhere else. You'd be somewhere else, exactly. Okay. And that was such a wild, frenetic shoot. Like yeah. that was that was definitely you know one what? of those. I, I was one of the models who didn't feel comfortable kissing anybody, and I still had an amazing time in the shoot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was about to say, like you you actually did for me one of probably the most iconic looks for that 
that that spread like that whole spread like if anything there was maybe two other people other than you that really stood out but because everyone's making out there's just this frenetic energy to that shoot it's either you sit there and you look wild and you really accept it which it was I felt like you were really like goblin mode like if there was a picture and there was a definition for goblin mode it was definitely like that well like you were everything that julia fox wishes she could be in that moment i walked into that photo shoot thinking there are three different types of people here there are the people who are not going to try at all and just be in the back of the photo there are going to be people like me who want to try but don't want to steal the show because obviously you got to do a little bit more if you want to steal the show and then there are going to be people who throw themselves in front of the camera will do anything it takes to get that shot and of course, I want to be in front of the camera and steal that shot and steal the moment and stuff like that. But also at the same time, I have to respect my own boundaries of how much you know comfortable I am to allowing myself to let other people be on top of me and how close I am to letting people get to me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I set my standard at a very um, okay level of where I was going to walk out of that shoot and be completely happy with what I did and not regret anything that happened at that shoot. So. Iconic. Exactly. Sure. That, I mean, that, that shoot was iconic. Like, like Madonna was making out with models in that shoot. Yeah, she was, I mean, she's been making out with chingles of people. Like, and Madonna, like, where's my turn? What's yeah. up? What's up? Like, of course, I'd want Madonna to make out with me, but also at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want those granny lips on me. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll I'll take one for the team. I will take the great <laughs> for you. I will take one for the team. <laughs> you know, and and so then after that, you know, you've been working with Balenciaga for quite some time, yeah. and and you've been talking about this this environment that's that's backstage because the Kardashians yeah. have been very aligned with Balenciaga. Yes, so anytime have. that Kim or or anybody really would, I mean. I think there was one with Nicole Kidman. Like there was there was Kim, Nicole Kidman and everybody and they were in this like tiny little hotel. Yeah. And were you part of that sh- that particular walk or no? I was actually, but that wasn't actually at a hotel that was It just looked like a hotel, I'm telling like a you. Hotel. It's so funny. They have all these like weird offices and like um locations that they use that are just empty beautiful historical buildings that they could, they could use for anything. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like it, they literally have a, a it's sitting there and it's not used, um, you know, 90% of the time and it's only used for fashion shows and it just sits there. <laughs> wow. And yeah. so whenever they're in the space, it's very much like, get the fuck away from us. Well, for some celebrities, yes, but for some celebrities, no. I mean, the very first time that I interacted with Kim Kardashian, she walked in behind me with her whole posse photographers and everything like that. And she looks to the model who's standing in front of me who had the whole tape look um, all around um, and Kim Kardashian's just admiring this this model that's standing in front of me and she's having this conversation with her and every now and then I get to jump in this conversation um and that was the first time that I get to inter- that I got to interact with Kim Kardashian but when it comes to people like Kanye it's definitely a lot more um like he does not want to be around too many people he just doesn't seem like a person <laughs> that just wants to be around anybody yeah he has his his group of people that will um, grab you by the arm and move you out of his way if they have to, which Jesus. they have to me. What the fuck? 
Um, and you know what? I've, I've shoved him right back. So <laughs> there we go. I mean, now he's no longer, he's no longer with Balenciaga, Kim yeah. Kardashian and, and the Kardashians are kind of weighing out what's going on because of the recent controversy with Balenciaga. Yeah. Are, are you scheduled to, to do another show with them? Are they doing shows um, next year for the next season? I'm scheduled a paycheck with them. Okay. <laughs> there we go. But I, I don't have anything scheduled in the future with them at the moment. Okay. So, the, so pretty much after all this, you think they're going to be pretty quiet. I think they're going to take a hiatus. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to know what they're going to do. I think they're being really, um, I mean, it makes sense given everything that's going on. Like yeah. there's just there's so many eyes on them. Like they need to kind of figure out, restructure, do whatever I mean, they need to it, do. It hurt me so much with everything that was happening because I never I've never been caught in a scandal before. Well, technically, you're not the one that's scandalous. I'm not, I'm not the one that's scandalous, but, <laughs> but it's the brand. And but you know what? Like this. I mean, was, how this is what I don't understand. Truly is how you could get so much hate. For something that you're it's like getting pissed off at the worker for what the boss is doing that yeah. that that doesn't click Listen, but i get if, it if we could start a union in the in modeling world <laughs> i'd be the Yo, first person <laughs> there, you know what just watch some models are gonna hear this they're gonna be like modeling union yeah what? <laughs> no but um i mean there are so many different people that I've met in Balenciaga who have been nothing but courteous to me and respectful and I guarantee you the reason that no, none of the models are speaking out none of the celebrities are speaking out about it is because they've never had a bad moment happen there before they've all they've all been treated like royalty they've all had everything handed to them and I mean even when they bring their children around backstage they have all their babysitters watching them you know these celebrities go on to do their work while they have the babysitters watching these damn babies and stuff like this like nothing is going on backstage that that seems sus to me and i don't think people realize that i think people have this different image of what's happening backstage well <laughs> not just that but i mean it's just it was all because of a campaign that i mean how many times have we seen a brand do a horrible campaign yeah and i can guarantee you that this campaign was um i mean the idea was probably shown to these parents they signed their ndas they signed their forms they they were probably there when the photos were being taken you know i mean the, on top of that it's like you have heard you have heard not one parent talk about it like in the sense of the parents of the children that did the modeling yeah and i mean how can you you've already cashed the check at that point if, uh, yeah. if you're gonna talk shit just return the check for sure but it's uh it's definitely I can completely understand where it just it puts you in a weird place because you engage with the worker. Yeah. You are technically a temp worker for Balenciaga, like in the sense of how people would view the yeah. work that you do. It's not all year round. It's yeah. literally for the season and then you're out. And so, I mean, what what are the plans next for you um, or what do you hope you could? I don't know what gig you'd like. I mean, I was on hold this year for Rick Owens. Um, I missed my product casting. I, uh, <laughs> Sir! I got a lot going on, you know. They, them, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a lot going on that I don't really speak about. And um, I'm just waiting for the, I don't know. I'm I mean, I know, I know. I'm so sorry to all the modeling agencies and people that are hiring fish. I am so sorry. I'm such a dick. I, it's my job to ask these questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean, do you feel that this next year for you is 
because I mean, you're literally on your last semester. Yeah. Do you send, like you were saying earlier, you know, you can taste it. You can taste well, this shit. next levelness. This year, I was tasting all of it, let me tell you. But I got that taste taken away from me when the scandal came out. Oh, no. Like, I saw my future bright and clear after walking from Balenciaga every single damn season this year, you know? But then after that scandal came out, I thought to myself, like, wow. You know I don't. How, I don't just don't believe that models are going to see the worst of it because I, you know what? I, people in the industry will not see the worst of it because they know what's happening in the in, actual industry. They know that that there's actual people that need to be held accountable for the shit that's happening. Mm-hmm. And but bo- the models are not the ones. Yeah, but the models are not the ones exactly. And I get that people will will have that sense of clarity when it comes to the industry. But oh my gosh, like I feel like my image has been tarnished just a little bit. Like, I go to people who I've worked with with Balenciaga. I go on their TikToks and I see their videos and their comments are all like, so why haven't you spoken about it? Why do you still support them? Why do you still have videos up about it? Like, stuff like that. And I'm like, when are people going to forget about this already or move on to something else? I'm not worried about my myself within the industry itself because I know I'll, I'll always be working in it. But I'm more so worried about that moment in my career where I have to go, I have to turn into this full celebrity mode and I just have to show all the receipts to whoever's asking for them, you know? Mm-hmm. I always have this like one moment where I imagine somebody coming up to me to be like, okay, we're gonna make you into a major celebrity, a major pop star. You know, just somebody completely famous to be on, you know, the level that, that, that you're at now, but you have to tell us everything that you have hidden, everything that's secret, and everything that's already wrong with your career at the moment. And I know that Balenciaga is moment that, is gonna be one of them. Is that? The initiation well, for the Illuminati. Do, they're going to do a background check. Not the Illuminati itself, but like someone's gonna, <laughs> someone's going to do a background check on you. They're going to know every tweet that you sent, every account that you've opened, every, I don't know, you know, Facebook posts that you've made, every Instagram. They're going to find it. And so I just feel like <laughs> I have nothing like I have nothing of interest. I mean, not that I have anything to hide, but you know what? I did have that one Twitter account that I don't have anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> His Twista, Twinsta. Yeah, twi- what is it called? It's a it's a fake Twitter, whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? Like Finsta, but no. Finter? And you know what? The only reason I don't have that one anymore is because I had a lawsuit. So. <gasps> oh, <laughs> MG. <laughs> so listen, I I can I can clear up a lawsuit real quick, but I cannot clear up a whole worldwide scandal with no. conspiracy theorists oh, and oh Q anons like. I will never gain their respect from that side ever again. I never had their, you know, I never had their support, but regardless, now I have their hate. <laughs> My God, they're going to be the first ones watching your videos, though. So are they haters or are they fans? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It, they're fanners. Faders. 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 Yeah. Fan haters. Faders. I mean, it sucks because I, I really do love making the Valley proud with the shit that I do. I love coming home and telling people that I did this, I did that, I worked with this person, I worked with that person. But you know what? The celebrity mindset, fucking coming from someone like me, I'm not there yet. But <laughs> but the celebrity mindset, we're going to pretend that I am because I fucking feel like it. It's coming. Um, it's happening. It's happening. Is really not giving a fuck. Yeah. That's what I'm realizing. But you know what? Celebrities have the luxury of not giving a fuck and still being able to go get a spa day get to eat whatever they want they have their drivers they have everything yes when, and yes but when and no. i when how i much, when how much i show i'm gonna bet you know my way of not giving a fuck is just by smoking a blunt i still have to 
I still have to go on about my day. I still have to go yes. meet with people. I still have to go socialize and step out in public. So puff, puff, pass. But like celebrities can just not give a fuck, but still feel like they're living in luxury. I still have to face reality. Okay, I get you. I get you. I, I walked. I after that scandal happened. I kid you not. I mean. I, I wore a lot of things Balenciaga. I got so scared to walk out of my house wearing these glasses because I thought somebody was going to come up to me and be like, hey, you're a child predator or what? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, I, I play Fortnite, and even when I'm wearing my my Fortnite Balenciaga skin, kids will go on the microphone and be like, why are you wearing that? And I'm like, how do you even know what's going on here? Like, this is so weird. But also at the same time, celebrities cannot give a fuck and still walk out of the house like full Balenciaga. This is where you turn off the microphone setting yeah. on, on Fortnite. Oh my gosh. This no. is where you do that. <laughs> this is where you do that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it truly is like just having the sense of like personal bubbleness that almost feels otherworldly. Like you really cannot listen to anything. Yeah. You can't engage with anything. Well, I, I, not that I turned off my comments and whoever started that, that theory that I turned off my comments because I didn't want people commenting stuff. I've, I've to always, whoever you are, you can suck a bag of weenies. Yeah, I've had my comments limited to only followers. Um, but regardless, yeah, I've done that too. Yeah, I, I mean messages too because I get I annoyed. I these people. Every account that I went to that that started calling me out for this, um, the first the first thing I would see would be like, "Don't celebrate Halloween because you know we're trying to put witchcraft on kids," or or like stuff like that, like weird conspiracies that I'm like, "Ugh, I'm dealing with these people." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, people really want me to say shit like, I'm not going to support Balenciaga anymore. I'm not going to work with them anymore. I'm like, honey, that's not the case at the moment. Like, I can't just say I'm not going to work with them anymore. If I don't even know if they're going to book me anymore. Like, I, I don't have a contract with them. It's like a... Like, you're, you're not a you're not a celebrity endorser. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a big difference between, let's just say, you as a model yeah. versus Kim Kardashian, who has an endorsement for an entire year exactly. with Balenciaga. Like, I don't know the jobs that I have lined up in the future. But all I know is, like, people like Kim Kardashian who is like the face of Balenciaga, like they have the expectation to show up to everything because they were paid for this contract, you know? They were paid lots of money. They were paid lots of money. And those are the people that can make the ultimate Like decision. no one's getting mad at Lizzo. No one's getting mad at, you know, Kim. No one's getting mad at all the people who have worn the clothes and done the things to the nth degree that they're doing to these models who are literally just working the job. Yeah. I mean, someone thought I was being satire when I... When I brought up the 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 fact that there are many models who have to deal with this repercussions, and there hasn't really been an outreach in regards to how these models are dealing with it, and I didn't think I was being satire when I brought up that situation. I thought I was being like, you know, making a point. Like, yeah, you were being satirical. You were being honest because the mental health of these models is almost like seen as secondary mm -hmm. in a situation that is almost like ganging up on people. That you know. The gang up is not the same. Yeah. It's just not. It, it really does feel like when like it comes to like all these celebrities who supported the brand, you don't hear anyone still talking about yeah. them supporting Valencia. You know like, like you can leave a million hate comments on Kim Kardashian's Instagram and she'll probably never see it. She'll probably never respond to it. But when you leave a hate comment on someone who's just the model, someone who doesn't have that full extent of having a million followers on Instagram and, you know, who actually gets to see their comments like it hits me right in the heart like directly like instantly so yeah and i guess like for me it's comments like that 
things like that, like aggression like that. I mean, I had people tell me to like go kill myself. I had people tell me, you know, some horrible, horrible things. And like radio DJs, you know, putting me in the line of fire and like I'm getting a bunch of like body parts that I didn't ask for sent to my DMs because somebody decided to talk about me. Some radio DJ decided to talk about me in a way that was just like just gross. Yeah. And it's just all of those things really do make it harder at times to the point where it's just like, fuck this. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm saying, like, the only thing I've learned, the only thing I've learned through these past few years is that as much as it feels like the worst thing in the world and it and it can just encompass your whole brain because that's what sucks. Yeah. It's like you can see like five positive comments and that one fucking negative comment just ruins your fucking day. Yeah. And that would happen to me so often. And I was just like, OK. I need to go see a therapist or something because like this is just too much like I need to write it out I need to do something because it just feels too excessive but I mean that's in a way we have to accept that that's the life that we're going to be living now with with stardom and I get and that fame. but I just also don't think that fame should come with people just being complete really assholes yeah. like if they were to see me on the street they would not say the same shit that no, they're saying to me online yeah and if they did ooh, yeah I mean, I think if I gave anybody a real reason for me, uh, for them to hate me and, and call me out for shit, um, I, I mean, I think I would have already done it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have, um, I don't think I have much to hide from the, from the people here in the Valley. I mean, a lot of people do think that I'm a bitch, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with people thinking that I'm a mean person and it's not that it's never my intention to come off as a mean person but i do like being serious about the work that i do yeah like i can I, tell I'm that not here to waste time kind of thing that's, that's <laughs> honestly one of the most beautiful things about seeing your career blossom as it has i mean that paper magazine you know photo shoot god that was gorgeous like some of these things that i have seen you do that i know like people would kill that's not a form of phrasing people probably would kill to to have the position that you're in but in a sense it's like there is a lot of like everyone is seeing the fruits of your labor but yeah. they're not seeing that this has taken years and years and years it was yeah. take sacrificing you know going to the senior More trip shit. and instead <laughs> going and, and taking nude pictures and 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 you know really establishing yourself like all of this time you know dealing with yeah. with people disrespecting your boundaries but then at the same time still finding ways to move forward yeah, yeah sometimes you do got to be a bitch yeah for sure like that that paper magazine photo shoot that you bring up um that photo shoot itself took a whole year for it to come out and get published uh, it actually wasn't supposed to be picked up by a paper magazine we had a different other publications in mind for that exact photo shoot mm. we shot the photos um and we didn't do the interview until we got direction from a magazine that they were going to pick up the the story for us okay but we pushed for that story to get pushed i mean we we pushed for that story to get picked up and we didn't know if it was going to find a home or not. And Paper Magazine was the one who picked it up for us. And it wasn't it wasn't because Paper Magazine wanted to do, wanted to do a feature specifically on me, but it was because we pushed them to put my 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 story, my my image, everything, just to put it your on, persona, my persona, just to put it in their face and show them like, hey, you guys need to pay you guys need to pay attention to me. 
You know that little emoji of the wallet with the wings on it just flying away? Well, that's me right now. I'm the advertiser. This is an ad for me, Veronique Medrano. Go listen to my music. I have a bunch of it. This isn't a joke. Go listen to my music on your favorite streaming platform. New songs out now are Malojo featuring El Dusty and DJ Kane and Mezcal Maria featuring Beatriz Gonzalez. Or you can buy a physical CD. Are those still a thing? Okay, I'm being told they are. So go to my website, veroniquemedrano.com to go get one now. And listen to it at your mom's house, because I'm sure she has a CD player. This has been your paid ad read. So where are you based out of? I am based out of Brownsville, Texas. Um, but I like to lie and say that I'm based out of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it a lie, though? I mean, at, the, I mean I, at this point in your career, because I feel like you really are never. I'm not even playing with you. You are never here. It I'm literally took here. a year for us to get you, because I somehow managed to catch you. I mean, right the, before you go to Paris. Excuse <laughs> you. I think I'm a very. You're a world traveler. At this I'm point. definitely a world traveler. Like I'm very nomadic. Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> but your your home base is out of here in the yeah. valley. Yeah. I mean, I. I have the luxury of getting flown out from the valley sometimes from brands that are nice enough um, to fly me out and they don't care where I'm located. Wow. But when I am trying to book a job and I know it's in New York, I like to say that I'm in New York. So if I do book the job, they don't know that I have to fly in for it. <laughs> you know what? That's that's kind of interesting because for me, I have um, I've kind of been in the same boat. It's like, OK, do I put where I'm from or do I put where the where the casting is at yeah because that's kind of been the big shift for me in my career is that like i'm going into a wider genre of music mm -hmm. coming into this new year no yeah you should be in la full time <laughs> <laughs> but well, nobody needs to know <laughs> you know i i'm uh i'm in between right now so i um i live in bronzeville mccallan and la okay and, and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm quite serious. I live in all three cities. Um, yeah. I'm here for, for like a few days. Yeah. I'm in Brownsville for a few days. And then um, it's just depending on the work, but I'll be out in, in LA for like two weeks yeah. at, a, at a whack. Um, this quarter is the way I'm gonna say it because in it's only been like three months. So no, uh, October, November, and December, I've been in LA moving stuff over there, like kind of quietly just saying, yeah. well, I, I think it's been pretty quiet online <laughs> the way I've been like implying that I'm selling half of my shit. Um, <laughs> you know, like you don't sell half of the things that you own just because it, <laughs> yeah. it's because, you know, I realized that at this point, you know, I, I also realize what's important to me. I do realize that my fashion lately, I mean, Jesus Christ, I got my first Getty. I got my first Getty in LA mm -hmm. because I was working there for two weeks and I got my first Getty and it was a great experience. It was for a film festival. I've been told by production my first Getty was actually in Miami, but I'm not living there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I got my first Getty in Miami with um, during uh, Latin Billboard Week. Yeah. So they were doing the, the big show there. Oh, and there's trust Getty. They always get the worst images of me. You know what? I am <laughs> actually, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I have like the nice photographer, uh -huh. but they have gotten some pretty good pictures of me. You know what? Even at this at this size, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I, I feel 
I feel I you feel get, like you get to know you get to know the photographers from Getty after a while because they're all the yes. same people going to all the same events. Mm-hmm. And and you know mm-hmm. what? The, it's really funny because um, somebody that was like part of the group of people that we were hanging out with literally like so we were done with the red carpet. They mm-hmm. took my photos and um, the guy, I guess somebody in our group knew that guy. So he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll he'll send me a text later when it gets uploaded. I'm like, what? You know him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we do a bunch of work because in L.A., L.A. is a super huge gig city. Yeah, super huge. And eventually we'll get um, we do have um, a few episodes with people out of L.A., artists and actors and different people. So it's really exciting nice. to branch out on the podcast part, but also to be able to work in music in L.A. is so wild. Like I I would never in a million years in a million years, and mind you, I don't even live that long. I would have never told you like, oh yeah, <laughs> I could see that for myself. I, I saw Texas, like yeah. Texas is pretty huge and there's a lot of producers out of here. Yeah. But what I have told you, oh yeah, I'm gonna be going like a few times out of the year to LA to perform, to record, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> but it's such a privilege to yeah. be able to start shifting my life out to LA and you know, New York is, it, we already went out there once. It was a huge, huge success. Um, we will be going back out there again. We're just not sure in what capacity. We'll see you at the event. <laughs> I know. I, you know what? I, I hope that that, I feel like at this point, I'm in that kind of like that same stage that you are, where it's just like, it's in flux and yeah. it's very, it's kind of daunting because I saw my life And mind you, I always wanted something bigger for myself. I never saw myself, you know, just in the valley. Yeah. But I ended up staying here (laughs) and that was not expected. Like I had gotten, um, you know, accepted into New York and into Loyola, like when I was in high school, but I didn't do it. Something about it just didn't feel like I wanted to be that far away. And sure enough, it was the best decision for me. Yeah. But in regards to that, it's like you are not where you work if that makes sense. Like I I find it really empowering that I get to still be here, still look out for people, still affect change, but I also can't always be here. The work is not always here. So I get to be here as my home base, but go out elsewhere to do the work. And yeah. that is really empowering. I feel like that's, if, if we're gonna talk about anything that happened in the last three years, three, four years, that definitely has to be the biggest change Absolutely. that I really appreciate because well, like I feel said, like that would be the that. goal. Yeah. I mean, my my end goal for after I graduate college with my bachelor's is to move to New York like again and officially be there. Well, enough to meet enough for me to be living there when I need to be there and vice versa, having a place back in Brownsville at the same time. But I just want to have a place over there that I can call home. Mm, I yeah. have I have so many blessed amazing friends that have allowed me to stay with them numerous times for Thank years Thank you to, to come. all the friends that allowed yeah, him to no, couch literally. surf. <laughs> like it, I've had one friend particularly who's, who's even come to Brownsville. <laughs> um, he's a hairstylist and he's done, you know, what was his favorite thing um, about Brownsville is mm-hmm. how cheap it is to go to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his, I mean, he's been dying to come back to come Get some work with me in Mexico soon. <laughs> so you even you, do you do work out of Mexico too? Um, I do a little bit of casting work over there. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, 
Wow. So you are the international fish. <laughs> I you, try to be. You literally are in all waters. <laughs> well, I mean, if I can live in this world where I get to travel to uh, Europe, America, Mexico, and, and just enjoy all of it um, and do what I love doing, I feel like that's all I've ever wanted to do in life. And I mean, I'm doing fashion and I'm working in casting and I'm just getting to meet so many different people that I feel like um, are doing exactly what I want to be doing. I've come across so many people who work in um, magazines, who work in journalism, fashion journalism, who work in um, actual casting in the industry. I mean, when I, when I say I work in casting, I mean, I'm scouting people I meet at the flea market. I'm, I, I, I'm scouting people I meet at the mall, I, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> But when it comes to working in the actual industry, like these people are casting for serious gigs, you know, serious jobs. And I want to be doing that as well, too. So that's wonderful. Yay. Yeah. So how much how much longer till you graduate? I have um, exactly one semester. <gasps> Yay. And that'll be good. So it'll be a, a super, super party. Oh, my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to tell anybody I'm leaving. I'm just going to do an Irish dip and I'll be in New York. <laughs> I love it. I like that's the only way. I feel like that's the only way. No, no, no. But I mean, like, you know, we're talking about your career. We're talking about your career goals, which is to kind of be playing on both sides of the field. I mean, have you, do you, will you do more fashion reporting? Well, that's exactly where I want to go into with my career. I, I feel like I've been focused on just being a model. Because I feel like you can do it all. Like, (laughs) that's the beauty of it. I I mean, I don't just do modeling. And that's the thing that people don't get to see too much of on Instagram or anything that I post online. I rarely post the things that I do that aren't modeling. Maybe a mini doc. Yeah. I mean, (gasps) I believe it or not, like for the last six, seven years that I've been working in the industry, I've documented so much of it from photography to videography, um, to interviews, to, um, you know, just writing stories about people and never really posting them. And they've just kind of we built up over the years. We need to see this. And, and when I say I'm a fashion reporter, I, I, I was trying to think of the right word to say, like, I've been documenting these things for years to come. I feel like that right now is the best the way you're talking about it right yeah. now, that's the best word. Yeah. But I would say just because mm-hmm. of the field I'm in is you're a fashion archivist. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're an archivist and the preservationist for the fashion industry. Absolutely. And not just within New York or in London or Paris, but in the Valley itself. I've been documenting the fashion industry here since I was 14, 15 years old. I've I've made note of every person that I've come across, every person that I've worked with every person that I admired from 15 all the way up until now, like I'm supposed to go have lunch with somebody that I used to admire when I was 15 years old. Like, I mean, I'm supposed to go have dinner with this person tonight. Um, and I <laughs> used to way look, past lunch. <laughs> and I used to look up to them when I was little and, you know, they were working in the fashion industry with people who have gone on to do extremely notable things um, coming out of from, from McAllen and, I I would love an oral history with like all the people that you <laughs> engage with. It would be beautiful, really. I mean, there's people who have come in my life um, who have really shown me the strengths of the fashion industry. And it all started here in the Valley, believe it or not. So what is one thing that you could give us a taste of in regards to the history of fashion and its importance in the Valley? Um, well, in terms of fashion and history in the Valley, it didn't really start picking up until... 
Um, I graduated 2016, so probably around mm, around 2012. Okay. Around 2010 to 2012, the fashion industry in the Valley really started picking up. I could see that. Yeah. I graduated 09 from high school, and I... I started seeing more fashion. I started, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of one. You've mentioned it before online. I think it's like the Texas Modeling, yeah. Texas Modeling Association mm -hmm. or something like that. And they were coming a lot more to this area. And it wasn't something that I was super involved in. Let me be super, super real. I just heard about it in passing. And oh my God, there was like some fashion designers around that time. I do remember that because they were literally hosting huge fashion shows like shows that i was like right around the time i was graduating from college which was around 2012 2013 yeah and i remember them like it was such a huge deal because they they really made it feel like these i do not remember their names i just remember it was happening like right around McAllen area yeah and they were doing like these big shows and these big moments yeah. and like oh we're gonna invite you to dinner and it was an experience that created a lot of FOMO. Well, we, we used to have um, Rio Grande Valley Fashion Week back then, I believe in 2012. Yes. And that went on to go on to Fashion Fest, which is now run by Mali Corpus, who owns a shop in McAllen at the moment called The Glass House. Okay. Um, but a lot of these names that I'm throwing out here are the reason as to why we have fashion in the Valley. Back then when fashion started out here in the Valley, um, there's this one person whose name is George Longoria. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they were on America's Next Top Model when I was a lot younger and they were representing McAllen. And I thought to myself like, wow, there's somebody from the Valley who is actually going on to a reality TV show that's being watched by the whole world, you know? Oh it's my so God, what season was it? I think it was season 12. Okay, so if anyone 13. if anyone feels like just cooperating yeah. our uh, our random musings as we talk, <laughs> go ahead, watch it. Yes, um, and, and you know what? I, I went to a Planned Parenthood um, luncheon the other day mm -hmm. and they sat me in the same table as George. And I just felt like, a, you know, ah, this full circle moment full in my heart. Because I, I used to grow up watching them on the show, and I never thought I'd have the opportunity to just sit in the same table as them. I love full circle moments. <laughs> they, feel, they feel like the, they feel like healing the inner child. Like, yeah. see, inner child, it Whoa. happened, damn it. <laughs> so that group of people who kind of initiated that fashion um, moment in history in the Valley um, it was George Longoria, mm -hmm. Mali Corpus, Jacqueline Marie, Antonio Van Mark, um, Ricardo Ayala, who's an extremely notable photographer. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. He's done Kylie Cosmetics. He shoots a lot of Kim's work, Skims. He does all the Skims. Um, he does Jeffree Star's cosmetic work. I mean, not cosmetic work. <laughs> Cosmetics. Wow, this man is just like everywhere. Photo shoot. <laughs> no, 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 I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, damn, chingos of people are well, multi-talented. You know what? He, he just shot the Nicki Minaj, um, you know that song that she has out right now, the one that's like freak? Super, super freaky girl? Yeah. Well, he shot the cover photo for that. Ooh. And he's shot Megan Thee Stallion, but he's from McAllen. So wow. these were the people that I was looking up to when I was a lot younger. And they were all working in the fashion industry back then. They were all trying to do these crazy things for the fashion industry here in the Valley. And they were way ahead of their time. That's mm -hmm. all I got to say. I didn't get to work with them when I was a lot, a lot younger. My first experience with getting to be in the same room as them was at a casting call that um, that I got to assist for and everything like that. But it, it, it wasn't until later in life that I started getting a little bit more into my own work of things that I'm doing and producing myself that they started coming into play in my life. 
Wow. Yeah. So now I get to have the opportunity to um, introduce the people that I scout, that I get to develop to these people that I got to work with 10 years ago. Like um, this coming Wednesday, I have a photo shoot. Well, tomorrow I have a photo shoot. With, I was about uh, to say tomorrow is Wednesday. <laughs> I have a photo shoot with a photographer that um, I used to go to workshops for a long time ago. It's not me being the model, but it's somebody that I'm helping develop at, the, mm. at right now in their career. Um, I've just been able to introduce them to so many different people that I grew up with. And it's so cool to see this like moment happening where um, the people that I admire the most are so into the work that I'm doing that they trust everything that I'm doing. Okay. My last question, actually my last two, I take it back. So Fish, fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> Namor, Aquaman, The Deep. The I don't know deep. if you know who that is. <sighs> Do you know who all three of those are? Um, I don't watch uh, DC. No, but you know who Aquaman <laughs> is, though, right? You know who it is. No, I don't. I only know Aquaman. Okay, okay. So, but you know who the Deep is? Mm-mm. No, okay. So is we're this, gonna show you photos. Is this, uh, Marvel DC. This is multiple like things. So this is Aquaman. I'm gonna pull this up. Can we just do fuck Mary kill three Spider Mans? We'll do that one next. Because you're fish. Oh, no. Okay, okay. No, no, no. You're just looking at them. You're not saying shit yet. So this is Aquaman. Okay. (laughs) So This is a new Aquaman. Yeah, that's the new... Well, I mean, there hasn't really been a live action one in a while. So um, let's see. Ah. The Deep. Oh, shoot. The Deep. Okay. That's The Deep. And then... Is the the deep the one with the um, the rock? No, and that's Namor. Oh wow! Okay, so uh, you saw all three. <laughs> so fuck Mary Kill. Okay. Namor, the deep, Aquaman. Definitely kill Aquaman. <laughs> You're just gonna kill Jason Momoa. And you do not give a shit. I would fuck um, not Namor, the other one. The deep. The deep. Okay. And Mary. Namor. Namor. Okay. It's funny because my boyfriend looks like Namor. So see now you have now you have a Halloween costume. <laughs> see, look at that. Look at what I've done. Put people together. Okay, so now the three Spider Mans. Okay. Fuck Mary Kill. Three Spider Mans. Okay. Um definitely kill um what's his name? The blue eyed one. Um the second one, not the third one. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Andrew so Garfield. So the amazing is Spider-Man yeah. is dead. I think I would, I would um, marry Tobey Maguire. That feels fair. And I would fuck the new one. That also feels fair. <laughs> that all of these feel fair. Yeah. Now, finally, we ask this question to all of our guests: What is life according to you? Um, life is, life is anything you want it to be. If you want to be a teacher, if you want to be a firefighter, if you want to be a model, if you want to be a musician, I mean, life is what you make it, but consistency is key. Okay, you guys, you heard it from Fish, and you have a new name now. It's not Fish Ferrucci. I'm I'm excited to debut your new name that you'll be going out to as you model, which is. Um, So we're dropping Fiorucci, and we're bringing back my OG last name, Navarro. 
Um, so I'll be Fish Navarro now. And I figured it's time that I start, you know, talking about the things that I do here in the Valley um, up there when I go to New York and Paris and London. You know, I think it's time that I bring up the culture and, and, and stop forgetting about, you know, my roots and just start, I don't know, embracing it a little bit more. My parents were so disappointed when I told them that I was going to be Fish Fiorucci. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I that I still get to be um, compliant with my culture and just be accepting of it more and just actually putting it out there because I feel like there's not enough representation. And I, I feel bad that I that I that I took that away from myself for a little bit of, in my fashion career, but I'm happy to be bringing it back. That's wonderful. And I was we Nolan Navarro win. when I first started. Really? I, I was Nolan Robert Navarro. And then you went into fish. And then I went into fish. And now I'm going, going back into a mixture of, of both. Of both, yeah. That's a beautiful journey. And yeah. I'm glad that you have been able to share that with us today on yeah. Accordion to Me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So thank you guys so much for listening to another wonderful episode of Accordion to Me. Puro amor, puro besos, puro text mix. Mwah! Thank you for listening to Accordion to Me. The team behind this week's episode includes mixing and editing by Juan Pablo Diaz, theme music by Rodrigo Montalvo, produced by Javi G from MD Media. In-person recordings were done at the Potify Studios and remotely through Riverside FM. Accordion to Me is distributed through Anchor, and you can stream Accordion to Me wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host and executive producer, Veronique Medrano. Puro amor, puro besos, puro Tex-Mex.